Eric Whirl. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories, a weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, mysteries, cults, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? Because it's our show and <laughs> not yours. yours. We have a show coming up next weekend. We do. It is going to be, it is next weekend from when this is playing. Yes. Not this no. coming weekend. Oh, yes. Next weekend. Yes. May okay. 14th. Ooh, you scared me. Got no. my dates all mixed up. I mean, up. yes. From when this show comes out. Um, yes. Yes. May 14th. We have a show coming up. It's going to be mm, Beth. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be at West Laurel Hill Cemetery in the yes. Bollockinwood area. Yep. And there are two shows at 6.45, 6.30, 6.30, yes. and 8 o'clock. Yes. 6.30 and 8 o'clock. Yes. Because then that gives us, yeah. ideally, like a half hour in between the shows to sure. rest. Theoretically. Ideally. Let's yes. go. Absolutely. But you should come see it. It'll be fun. Rip We're both a good time. in it. Tina is in it. Our good friend Josh Hawkins is in it. Yep. They've all been on the show. All those people have been on the Jared show before. Jared has been was on, on the, the show. show a long time ago, but he's, he's in it. Fully legal now. And then people who have never been on the podcast but are still delightful are also in it. Yeah. It's a great cast. Great it's people. a lot of fun. So you should come see it. Of course, it's directed by Mary Angela. Duh. And yeah, it's going to be a good time. That's what we have going on. That's what we have going on. I do have one thing. What's that? So you might remember our friend who was on the podcast, but Ed, who has his show October Pod, Mm -hmm. which is usually, as you know, only on YouTube. Yes. Right? Um, Well, now he is no longer only on YouTube. Oh, dang. Whoa. He's got a full-fledged podcast that's coming out soon. So I have a promo for him if we want to have our listeners take a listen right now. Do it. Go check out Ed and his brand new podcast podcast because it's no longer only Only on on YouTube. YouTube. Take a listen. (laughs) I'm Edward October. There's only one way to serve a fine bourbon, poured neat and slowly savored. The retro horror stories served by October Pod are just as refined as an aged bourbon, but now there are two ways to enjoy them. Subscribe to October Pod Home Video on YouTube. There we debut our latest true, true true-ish, and or classic tales of horror and the paranormal on the first and third Tuesday of each month. And now you can pour yourself a double serving of October Pod. Find October Pod After Midnight, that's October Pod AM for short, on your favorite podcast app. There, on the second and fourth Tuesday of the month, we serve up tall glasses of our most horrifying spirits, specially curated for you to savor. Each episode of October Pod AM lasts about an hour, just long enough to sip a good scotch by the fire. Now there are two ways to enjoy retro horror thrills of impeccable taste. Find all our links at OctoberPodVHS.com. October Pod, retro horror for bold individualists. Noise. Yep. Go support Ed. We're big fans. He's a great person, makes great content, and does have stuff over on YouTube as well. But also has, it's called October Pod AM. It's great. Do it. Go take a listen.
That's what I have. I'm hoping to be ready to sell my candles by the end of this month. Love it. Excited. I've, I've got a last like te- uh, test batch with wicks that are curing. Nice. And then I will burn them and see how I feel about those wicks. And then I will be ready to theoretically sell them. Bah, 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 bah. Keep an eye out. And Kyle of the Gorgonsnot has already like, I've had, I've had people like message me and be like, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. We've been very friendly with one another. He's lovely. Uh, and he messaged me recently and he was like, I cannot wait to support this venture. And I, I love like, it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So, I, so thanks. I appreciate that. Yes. All good things. All big things happening. We're doing stuff. We're coming up at the end of May will be our four year anniversary. Oh my God. Yeah, it will. We got to do something for that. I, yeah, I know. And we're working what? on it. Vacation. I don't know. Yes. Yes, we're we are. almost at a thousand followers on Instagram. I wanted to be there already. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, if you have friends who don't follow us on Instagram, like, steal get their them phone on there. Make them follow us. We were trying to get there by May, which didn't happen. But you know what? Oh, it would be so really cool to get there by our four year mark. Oh if my by god! Our four we year mark. We have a thousand do followers. That. So put it out there, man. Do that. Let's get over a thousand. Let's try to get to twelve hundred. Let's do it. Support the show. We're doing good content. We have great stories. I mean, we are excited for our stuff we're doing right now. I can't wait. I'm excited. Are y'all ready to learn today? I am so ready for your Sarah story. Sarah is excited because she doesn't know what it is, but I'm excited to talk about it. And so it's going to be, we're gonna just going gonna to do it. It's going to be fantastic because guess what? It's an all Stephanie episode. That's right. Because I couldn't figure out how to split this because there isn't, there isn't really like a, a midway point, you know what I mean, for yeah. a good to be continued. So instead... Uh, I will be doing the whole episode this episode, and then Sarah will be doing the whole episode next week. I just have one question. Does it involve animal testicles? No, it does not involve animal testicles. I just didn't know if we were continuing with that trend. No. Or what? No, this is out of nowhere, man. Get ready. All right. (laughs) Not out of the nether regions, but out of nowhere. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Stephanie. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Hey, Leslie. Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? So I'm not talking about ghosts. And I'm not talking about true crime. This is one of those. I was like, this is a subject I really was never interested in. And then watched one of those documentaries that makes you interested. What is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? So first I'm going to ask you two questions. Sarah. What do you know about breast implants? <laughs> Sarah made a great face. Um, I I know that it's a type of procedure that women can have done for X number of reasons. Sure. And there are different types, including the kind that's like a bubble that's filled with jelly that can pop. And then something that's like a harder silicone. I also know that they can, like, move. I know that they can pop. I know that they can, like, get infected. I know that you shouldn't go to Mexico to get them for cheaper because that's going to end up poorly. Yeah, why? Why? What are you talking about? What do you know about, and you've listed some various things, what do you know about breast implant illness? Illness? Like, Like toxic shock syndrome? Yes. So not like toxic shock syndrome, because but but in that it is an illness. Like your body rejects specifically comes from this. So are you gonna show me some nasty titties? So I told you I do not debated show me showing nasty you titties. pictures, but no, I will not be showing you pictures. But don't we're not gonna body shame. Some nasty titties. 
we're going to learn a little bit about the history of breast implants. And I had never heard of breast implant illness uh, until I watched this documentary called Explant. And Explant follows Michelle Visage in her mission to get her breast implants removed. Wow, good for her. Now, I knew because, you know, we're drag race people. I knew that Michelle Visage had her breast implants taken out and that she had had some sort of issue with them, but I really did not know a lot of the details around it. Mm -hmm. But I also knew it was a big deal because she's made a big deal about her titties for years and years and years, right? (laughs) Like her boobs have been a big part of her personality, right? And her trademark, right? Her brand. And one of the things in the documentary was her daughter talking about how she was concerned that it would have a negative effect on her mother's career um, because her mother, her breasts have been a part of the brand that she has built. Now, I was like, I've never heard of breast implant illness. Don't know what that is. But there are a growing number of women online that have come together to share the various issues that they have had since having breast implants and many of those issues having gone away after removing their breast implants. Oh, wow. Now, interesting. The Now, when you look up breast implant illness, there isn't even like a Wikipedia for it. There isn't like a WebMD thing. And a lot of doctors don't even recognize it as a real thing. Um, some doctors mm. would say it's psychosomatic, that like, you know, the women convince themselves that they have these issues and that's what causes the issues. But the women, the number of women that are speaking out about their issues with breast implant illness has grown a lot in recent years. Yeah. So Michelle Visage had her breast implants removed in 2018. Okay. And we're going to talk a little bit about the history of breast implants, where they came from, what they've been made of, and different changes in the industry over the past few decades since they were invented. Okay. Okay. So to talk a little bit about Michelle Visage specifically, she had her first set of breast implants put in in 1989. She had a new set put in in 1999. And her most recent pair that she had put in were in 2016. And then she had them removed in February of 2018. Hmm. So a number... Third time was not the charm. Third time was not a charm. But she said she had had these issues. She just never associated them with the breast implants until... Finding other women that were speaking out about their issues with them. So some of the symptoms of breast implant illness, uh, they're all immune related. They cause a lot of autoimmune deficiencies, Um, but immune issues like brain fog, chronic migraines, chronic illness, chronic fatigue, depression, hair loss, sleep issues, and heart palpitations. There was a Facebook group for women with the term breast implant illness, that started to show up around like 2016, 2017 and started to really gain, uh, gain some traction. And colloquially, they call the removal of them explant surgery. Yeah. So instead of getting Makes implants, sense. I'm getting explant. Of course. Got it. The no FDA questions. and much of the American medical industry do not recognize breast implant illness as a real disease. Huh. Um, and it's often dismissed as psychosomatic. But there have been issues with breast implants since day one. I believe it. It's a foreign object in your body. Do you know where breast implants were really, like, invented and (laughs) streamlined? Where? 
in Houston, Texas, baby. Everything's bigger in Texas, including your tatas. Yes. Oh. So, <laughs> the man who invented and popularized the modern breast implant. Of course, it was a man. Was a man named Dr. Frank Giroux. He was a Canadian citizen who moved to the U.S. in 1960 because he wanted to pursue capitalism. <laughs> he was uh. like, I want to be a plastic surgeon and I want to make money changing people's bodies however they see fit or I, I see fit. I heard this guy was putting goat balls in people and made millions of dollars a year. I want in on that. Yeah. I'm going to make women's booze bigger. So from 1960 to 1962, Frank Giroux did his residency at Baylor College of Medicine Ugh. under Dr. Thomas Cronin. Houston had just had the first successful heart transplant and they were like, we can Makes make sense. this the next big surgical thing. Make your boob. Like, you know, we'll, fi- we'll get you a new heart and we'll make your boobs bigger. Also, at this time, the Apollo space missions were going on out of Houston. So Houston was a big, big deal. science city. So they were like, this is going to be at the forefront of medical science. We are going to invent the breast implant. Because this is so important. Right? (laughs) And I can understand the part that I always have to remember are people like women with breast cancer. Of course. Like breast implants, like replacing something that was taken away. But of course, I'm primarily thinking of cosmetic, just regular cosmetic surgery. Like, I just want them bigger. Um, I imagine they had like two files on their desk and it was like cure cancer, make titties bigger. And they're like, oh, my God. Well, (laughs) threw cure cancer into the trash. We can definitely make your titties bigger. Let's go, Houston. We can find a way. Houston, we have a solution. So in 1962, he was working at Jefferson Davis Hospital doing his residency. Um, He was making rounds and he became really obsessed with the newly introduced IV bag. Mm. Now, previous to this, IVs were done with glass bottles. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what you would see hanging on the things. And this invention, this bag, this soft silicone bag, gave him the epiphany. This kind of feels like a titty. Wow, this kind of feel like a booby. And that was where he got the idea for breast implants. He was feeling up IV bags. IV bags. Closed his and eyes. And people said he was like walking around the hospital like like a stress ball, like just carrying this IV bag, like squeezing and, and in feeling his mind, this. Like, it was just like titty, just like, this titty, just feels like a titty, titty, titty. So silicone at the time had, uh, previous to this time, because this is the 60s, right? Silicone was really revolutionized and used a lot during World War II, primarily to lubricate jet engines. Mm -hmm. And when World War II ended, the silicone industry was like, what are we going to do with all this silicone? Oh, no. Now, um, Japanese sex workers began injecting silicone straight into their breasts. Uh, The idea is that they wanted to have large breasts like American women to try and get, like, American GIs to be with them. Um, But... That's bad. Injecting silicone directly into the breast caused many, many adverse reactions. Well, yeah. um, Including silicone poison, cell and tissue deterioration... And injecting silicone was very quickly outlawed. Breast implants had been attempted in the past with things you 
I'd say you'd be shocked, but poor women and the things that were done to their body. Oh, no. People tried to use things like wood chips, glass beads. What? And yarn. In the boobie? Inside the breast previously. How? Just um, cut it open and stuff a ball of yarn in there? So what was next? A that's going to come back around <gasps> the yarn. You would be shocked. I, w- no. I was shocked. We're not done. That so, makes me physically ill. The first implant was made by Dow Corning. And Dow Corning was the biggest silicone producer in the United States. The first breast implant that they made was put into a dog. I can't, I'm just like, I just can't imagine this dog have one titty or two. Did they give it two titties? Because it would have been off balance if it only had one titty. I don't know. But they put it in the dog. The dog survived. And they were like, don't put it in this. We can do this to human women. Uh huh. Got him. In 1962, a woman named, so the same year, that's how little time was between like the prototype. And it being put inside well, I mean, a person. So they had a waiting list. And so as soon as the dog survived, they were like, open the doors. And it just floodgated in like Black Friday morning. In 1962, Timmy Jean Lindsay, who was 29 at the time, became the first woman to receive breast implants. Did she, she die? She is still alive. She is 90 years old. Okay. Are her titties still with us? Yes. She. Uh, so she said that she had gotten tattoos on her chest And she was looking to get those removed because she did not want them anymore. And Dr. Giroux suggested his new breast implant. Now, mind you, he had not performed the breast implant surgery on any humans. Did he tell her that? Guess what? You'll be the first. First patient discount. She was interviewed in this documentary, and her. Mind you, she's old as shit now. So she's got other old lady body issues. Right. She didn't have like an obscene size put in. Like they just bumped him up a little bit. Yeah. But she's like, you know, I didn't have any problems with mine. But there are many women saying that. they. But she was like, I didn't have any with mine. Because she's old. Yes. But she had the implants put in. And she said that she never had any problem with her. uh, With her breast implants. And that, you know. They, if anything, they just improved her life. She said her that self-esteem. people, yes, like she just felt like she was, she yeah. used to think that she was nothing special. And then, you know, she realized like she was, you know, just as special as anybody else. That I got was, them new high tech titties. Yes. So one of his former colleagues confessed to having an issue with Dr. Jarreau's demand to increase breast size. So it started, it started pretty small pun unintended but as time went uh-huh. on like he was trying to make women's breasts larger bigger and, bigger and larger and yes so an early patient named Janie Knapp she met Dr. Jarreau when she accompanied another friend who was having a follow-up for a liposuction and Dr. Jarreau suggested to her that she should consider them okay she had many questions. Are they decompressible? Because she said she was taking scuba classes. So she was asking about oh. that. Could she fly with them? Could they possibly pop? Dr. Drew assured her that they were perfectly safe. Oh, no. What happened? Within a year, she already had issues with one implant losing shape. Like it was not shaped right. Right. So the implant had ruptured. And Dr. Giroux told her that to be safe, he would need to replace both of them, not oh. just the one that ruptured. He would need to replace both of them, hmm. 
Without her knowledge or her consent, he also moved her up a cup size. Oh, no. So she had B cups and he put her up to a C cup with Not her second okay. pair. Not okay. Knopp had another rupture and had to have them replaced again. Mm. She began experiencing other health issues, including chronic pain, hair loss, and sleep issues. Dr. Giroux sent her to another surgeon at Baylor. She was not the only patient that Dr. Giroux would send over that had neurological issues, all of them his former breast implant patients. Wow. Janie Knopp believes that she was the first person to request explant surgery, to request her breast implants just be fully removed yeah, in the get early them out 80s. Of me. She requested that they be removed and returned to her so that she could learn if they were ruptured and possibly sue the manufacturer for faulty. Faulty boobies. Boobies. For basically for faulty products, right? It's the new season of faulty towers. <laughs> faulty boobies. She said that the surgeon did not return her breast implants to her and also that he was like kind of cruel with her in her post-op. Like he had taken what? like they had taken the breast implants out, right? So her and they hadn't done any reconstructive surgery. And that basically he was like, Yeah, you like your new body? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. She contacted many attorneys, all of whom refused to take her case or acknowledge the validity of her claim. What? Why? Because this was in the early 80s and no one had ever heard of issues with breast implants because doctors continued to tell people that they were perfectly safe. Okay. Ugh. Now, many surgeons to this day dismiss breast implant illness and refuse to even acknowledge it, particularly men, but women too. Surgeons will often tell women seeking explant surgery that they will not be happy with how their body looks once the breast implants are removed. Uh, one of the women in the documentary, this is just a good quote that I wrote down. She said, having beautiful tits is pretty pointless if you're stuck in bed and you can't have sex. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What's the point? A woman named Sybil Goldrich received breast implants in 1983 after a breast, and cancer, a breast cancer diagnosis necessitated a double mastectomy. Mm -hmm. Within a few years, she had three sets of breast implants that ruptured and had to be replaced. After the fourth set, she had them removed for good and began doing more research. It was at that time that she learned that breast implants were not approved by the FDA. Oh, my God. The FDA did not begin regulating medical devices until 1976. And devices that were still being used from before that, like breast implants, were grandfathered in. <gasps> That's not okay. Never would have thought of this shit, right? That's not okay. They are considered an experimental device. In 1988, Sybil wrote an article for Miss Magazine recounting her ordeal. After the article was published, thousands of women began to come forward to speak about their issues with breast implant illness. In 1990, she appeared on the Connie Chung show and allowed a photo of her scarred breasts to be shown. And it's just all scar yeah. tissue. Um, there's a lot going on there. Internal documents from Dow Corning revealed that they concealed the potential dangers of silicone as early as 1975. A journalist got a hold of and released these documents to a congressional investigator named Dr. Diana Zuckerman, who specialized in FDA issues. 
She shared it with the FDA commissioner. They also contained internal memos from sales representatives about issues with the products that they were showing to surgeons. So, for example, there was a note that somebody had said about how, like, they would put the breast implant on the table and it would sit there for a few minutes. They would talk. They would pick it up and there would be, like, a grease spot. Oh, Like, something leaching out of the breast implants. Right. That's not good at all. And they knew this, and, and like, they oh, were still the person. selling them to put in women's bodies. Ah! In February of 2018, Michelle Visage announced via Instagram that she was going to have her breast implants removed as she believed them to be causing immune issues she had been suffering for more than 20 years. A man named Nick Cohn commented that he had been a biochemist for a breast implant manufacturer in the early 90s. And that the industry knew many issues that they were not sharing with the public. Uh, He did an interview with this documentary uh, and he talked about the leaching. That was a known issue from silicone implants, regardless of the filling. So Mm. there's silicone implants that like the pouch is silicone and the inside is filled with a silicone gel. Mm -hmm. And when those were banned for a time, they made saline implants, but the shell is still silicone but it has a saline filling instead of a silicone gel filling. Mm -hmm. So um, that leaching was happening regardless of the filling. If it had a silicone pouch, it was leaching. Didn't matter, yeah. He claims to have reported these issues time and time again over a course of eight months, um, seeing no change in production. The tipping point for him in the industry was there was a woman who had an explant surgery And her implants were sent back to the lab for studies. And it just kind of clicked for him. Like, this came out of a person. And I have helped produce these. And I don't want to do this anymore. Like, it just kind of clicked for him. Like, these are all going in people. Finally. We make so many of these constantly. They don't change. And then they go in people. And they're bad. Yes. Ah, Okay. Okay. In 1992, the FDA banned silicone implants until further studies could be completed. Houston lawyer John O'Quinn began representing multiple women in lawsuits against breast implant manufacturers. In 1993, Dow and other implant manufacturers reached a $4.25 billion settlement proposal. In 1993. Billion with a B. With a B. The largest in U.S. history. Yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. Saline implants were quickly marketed as a safe alternative. However, like I said, they still have a silicone shell. They have a different filling, but the outside, which is the part that actually touches the body, is still silicone. Mm -hmm. Houston-based Dr. Gerald Johnson became one of the most prolific breast implant surgeons in the United States. At this time in the 90s, burlesque performers and exotic dancers were the primary recipients of breast implants. He had the women who worked for him going to bars and gentlemen's clubs handing out business cards to women. That is some John R. Brinkley bullshit. He had a swimming pool in the shape of a breast-like profile And the nipple was a hot tub. Stop. Mm -hmm. That's excessive. (laughs) Right. In 1994, he performed Anna Nicole Smith's breast augmentation. Oh, rest in peace. Rick. (laughs) Yes. 
Um, she was discovered working at a place called Rick's Cabaret in Houston, which was a, so large that it was a publicly traded company. And that really popularized that large breast exotic dancer look. Because it's Texas. Everything's and that bigger. And Texas, right? Everything's bigger in Texas. So after Anna Nicole was discovered at Rick's Cabaret and that became like a really big deal, breast implants grew in popularity. The average breast implant size increased from 250 cc's to 375 cc's. Wow. Um, so from like a BC cup a to like a jump. D double D. Yeah. The largest available on the market were 4,000 cc's in France, which is about the equivalent of one gallon. <gasps> on your ch- two of those on your chest? But sizes that large void the manufacturer warranty. There's a manufacturer warranty on your booby. Oh my word. Is it by like years or is it by miles? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you know how, how the car You get 20,000 miles on these titties. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Women in the U.S. with the largest augmentation breasts actually come from the polypropylene string implant invented by Dr. Johnson. So remember I said don't forget the yarn because it's going to come back around. So when you see women with like the breasts that are like. You know, Avery's like ridiculous, like like Avery's a drag queen with a breastplate. Those those inhumanly large, like down to the waist breasts, inhumanly large. Yes, those are not going to be from silicone. Those are from string implants, which I had never heard of before. So they were created by Dr. Johnson in the 90s, and they were approved by the FDA as an experimental device and allowed to be implanted with the patient's written consent. Oh, my gosh. So the way the string implant works, um, so it looks like if you've ever seen, I'm sure you've seen these because they come in a lot of bras. When bras have that, we used to call them the chicken filet. Yes. That little, <laughs> that yes. little plastic pocket that looks like that, yep. right? And it's kind of thin. It looks like one of those. With a bunch of white string shoved inside of it. That is literally exactly what it looks like. Okay. And the way that they do these is instead of traditionally the surgery that I've known for a breast implant is they cut around the nipple and then I guess kind of just shove it in there and then sew the nipple back on. These implants, they cut the seam Under. under the breast and that is placed behind the breast tissue and sewn in place. And here's how they work. I hate it. So the string causes patients' breasts to fill with fluid. So it's the fluid in their breasts that is making their breasts grow. And fluents had to be, or excuse me, patients had to be taught how to use a syringe to remove fluid from time to time to keep the breast from growing indefinitely. Stop. The thought at the time was like, They'll just stop growing eventually, but like you have to, depending on how large you want to keep them, you'll have to keep draining them to keep them at that size, or you can just let them go and see how big they get. That's disgusting. The thought was that like eventually they'll have to stop growing, right? Until they didn't, and did they rupture? So repeated friction could rupture the bag and the string would release into the body. Um, many women with string implants, because the the friction um, behind the breast also causes um, deterioration of the actual breast tissue. It will start to eat away at their actual breast. 
So many women who had string implants had to have entire double mastectomies. Oh, my god! So not just removal of the, the implant, implant but, the but all of the breast. tissue, everything would have to go from the damage done from the string implants. Ugh, okay. Dr. Jay Chun, he is the doctor that did Michelle's explant surgery. He tried to explain why so many doctors are dismissive of breast implant illness, right? Because she's like, why don't doctors believe this is a thing? Um, now, he goes by his own experience because he's worked at this point with so many explant patients. But he tried to explain that, like, for doctors, doctors are taught to be scientists and they have to go based on data. And the data that they have currently suggests that breast implants are safe. So for that reason, they want to stick with that data and say like, well, there's no clinical study that shows this is a thing, right? Yeah. Opinions are all supposed to be formed from data and clinical studies, but the two major clinical studies of breast implants were both published in 1996, showing no correlation between breast implants and autoimmune disorders. Both of those clinical studies were paid for by Dow Corning huh. and other silicone manufacturers. Huh. Other huh. issues with these studies is that they didn't follow a large enough group of women, and many feel that the studies did not investigate the right issues, right? Like primarily the autoimmune issues. Yep. However, these studies and a few more were enough to convince the FDA to reverse their decision on silicone implants in 2006. Hmm. So uh, about 10 years later. Silicone like, became back on the market legal again. Yeah. By 2008, breast augmentation became the most popular cosmetic surgery in the United States. Wow. When Dr. Chun performs his explant surgery, he remo he removes not only the breast implant, but the scar tissue sac that encapsulates the implant, which I didn't know was a thing, but it makes sense. Yeah. So basically, Ugh. when the breast implant has been in there and the person has fully healed, the body grows a pocket, an envelope, a capsule of scar tissue around the breast implant. Mm -hmm. And he says, now he's one of only a handful that will also remove the scar tissue. He says because leaving the scar tissue itself can cause more issues. But if there's, if they're removing it and there's been a rupture or if there hasn't been a rupture, that scar tissue sac is going to encapsulate it and they can pull it out whole without risking rupturing it while it's still inside. Makes sense. Just so you know, neither of Michelle's had ruptured at that point, but that pair was only two years old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it was very interesting to see that part. In 2016, the term breast implant illness began to show up on social media, with support groups being filled by hundreds of thousands of women. Wow. In 2018, a report on almost 100,000 women with implants said that women with implants are eight times more likely to develop autoimmune issues and can also develop a rare cancer of the autoimmune system. Wow. This was the largest comprehensive study of women with breast implants. In 2019, the FDA held new hearings around the safety of breast implants. Three months after her explant surgery, Michelle Visage's lab tests were still showing traces of silicone in her hair, urine, and skin. Wow. Full it's like her body just super absorbed it. Absorbed it. Full recovery can take anywhere from two to 10 years after implant removal. Wow. 
Breast augmentation continues to be the number one cosmetic surgery in the world. In 2019, 1,795,551 women got breast implants, while 229,680 had them explanted. Wow. That same year, the breast implant industry was estimated to be valued at $2.76 billion. There's an ongoing class action lawsuit against Allergan after the FDA announced in 2019, they are a producer of breast implants, Mm -hmm. that their textured implants had a higher risk of breast implant related cancer. In the United, have you ever heard of a black box warning for medication? Yes. I heard of it when I was studying about Michelle Carter because I didn't know that a lot of SSRIs are actually black boxed. And that is shocking to me because I've been on them in the past and never got told that by a doctor. Of course not. In the United States, a boxed warning, sometimes referred to as a black box warning colloquially, is a type of warning that appears on the package insert for certain prescription drugs, so-called because the U.S. FDA specifies that it is formatted with a box or a border around the text. The FDA can require a pharmaceutical company to place a boxed warning on the labeling of a prescription drug or in a literature describing it, it is the strongest warning that the FDA requires and signifies that medical studies indicate that this drug carries a significant risk of serious or even life-threatening adverse effects. Now, when a medication is given a black box warning, the patient doesn't see that. The doctor sees that. That is some bullshit. So the doctor is who is responsible for sharing that information with the patient. So the question becomes, if there was a black box warning on breast implants, would plastic surgeons share that information because that could lose them money and deter a client? The answer is no. But as a person now, I've never had breast implants. But like I said, I had SSRIs for many years. And And they didn't tell you. That was not a thing my doctors ever talked to me about. And that was on antidepressants. In October of 2021, the FDA began requiring saline-filled and silicone gel-filled silicone pouch implants come with a black box warning. Other medications requiring a black box warning include antidepressants with increased suicidal risk, Depo-Provera, which is an injective contraception, atypical antipsychotics for patients with dementia, and many other medications. Specifically, the FDA wants consumers to know the following about breast implants. Breast implants don't last a lifetime. Hmm. Complications can occur with breast implants and the risks increase over time. Breast implants may be associated with a type of cancer and other symptoms, a type of cancer that is exclusive to people who have had breast implants. I mean, after hearing that, it's like, why would anyone get them? But that's the thing is that all these women will tell you that their doctors told them they were perfectly safe. That there were no risks associated Mm -hmm. with breast cancer. And you heard like 20... 21 is when the FDA put a black label warning on it. That's a few months ago. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So this information is, while to a lot of the women who had the breast implants and have found other women who had these experiences, so many of them are like, why didn't I ever hear about this before? Because people have been having problems with them since at least, since if not day one with the first woman who got them, at least since the 80s. 
when people had had them for a few years and were having experiences with them rupturing or replacing them and then ruptured again or their body trying to reject them or compromising their immune system. None of those were things I knew about. Now, I was... (laughs) We have different experiences with our parents. But I, of course, was like, I don't know. In our home, breast implants, it was like a thought of like, that's what like... like a a stripper or somebody does you know what i mean but breast implant surgery is very very common yes whether or not people had whether it was just body issues or if they were healing from a double mastectomy Mm -hmm. breast implants are very common and i had no idea that they had this many risks or this many issues associated with them but also neither did all these women who got them yeah no one know no one knew until just now 2021 2021 it's like okay we should tell people that they might die if they do get this these more yeah this is probably bad <laughs> so Woof. that was everything that i learned recently about breast implants and breast implant illness which was a topic that otherwise like oh of course I, never comes across your plate right the only reason I learned about this was because I was like, oh, like, I remember Michelle Visage got her breast implants taken out. She did this documentary about it. Let me watch that. I don't know any. This is something I don't know anything about. And I learned a lot and was really, like, blown away. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, I had no idea. This is all brand new news to me. And all I can say is, ouch. Yeah. It makes my boobies hurt. <sighs> Well, and then she was really adorable after she got them taken out because she was like, they're so small. But she was like laughing about (laughs) it. And then her husband was like, you know, how are you feeling? Like, do you feel okay?" And she was like, I feel great. Like, I don't feel she's like, I'm, you know, she said that when she got them, you know, she she was convinced that she was getting them for herself. But like the more she thought about it over time, the more she was like. I was convinced I needed it because of the industry that I was in. And she says she doesn't regret them because they did give her a huge boost in her confidence. And she has this great career and she has nothing to be ashamed of. And she's got them taken out because they don't serve any purpose for her anymore. That's totally fair. And I'm like, good for you, Michelle Visage. And there was a thing of like the first time she went on stage after surgery Mm -hmm. and she was like, I'm 50 years old. And for the first time in my life, I love my small tits. And you're like, get it, Michelle Visage. Um, And, you know, she's just lovely and delightful. But I learned a lot from Michelle Visage's documentary. It's called Explant. That's really interesting. No, that's fascinating. Yeah. And it just makes me hate our healthcare industry even more. Like when I thought I didn't. I just, I don't trust doctors. I don't trust any of it. I hate it. I hate it. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Unlike women who can't get their implants removed, you are sticking to the story. <laughs> but they can, and if they want to, they should. If you their body. have them and you feel that they are causing you distress, by all means, get them taken out. Get them taken out. And if you still want to get them after hearing this story, please at least just take that into consideration. And if you have issues with them, consider that 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 might be the problem. Take it out. Yeah. That's it. Fascinating. Interesting. That's it, everybody. So if you want to learn more about it, you can Google it. The documentary is called Explant. It's on Paramount Plus. All right. But it follows Michelle Visage and her journey to learn more about breast implant illness and to get her explant surgery. Wow. So, yeah, for more titty talk, head on over to Paramount, Paramount Plus. Plus. Watch that documentary. <laughs> and hey, man, everything's bigger in Texas.
It sure is, including them tig old bitties. And tig old bitties. You go to Houston, and that was the thing. Like, everybody in the 90s went to Houston to get their titties did. Of course. Because from what I learned, it's better to go there than Mexico. Sure. In Mexico, you might die. You might die in America, too. But you might die from the surgery before you even get the titties off the table. I mean, I could walk into a movie theater and die. So. <laughs> we, we do live in the U.S. We live so. in the United States. Every day, I'm surprised that I made it through school. Y'all. Did you ever did you ever see the TikTok where it's like there's that TikTok sound where it's like no it's not funny it's not I'm the funny. one who told you I'm school. the one who showed it to you the one with the, with the it was like trying to find your bulletproof vest when you go to school, school in America. America it's not funny it's not funny it's not funny I've got school I've got school Ooh. it's real life here it is real life yeah it is scary. That's scary, girl. That's scary, girl. People have guns and titties. And they take them everywhere. And uh, They take their guns and their titties everywhere they go. They try to take their titties to the airport. If you are a state representative named Madison Cawthorn, fuck that guy. You heard about that. Well, he got caught for the second time in one year trying to bring a loaded gun in his carry-on to the airport. This man is an elected official. This is America. Don't catch you slipping, yo. I want to die. All right, let's go. Just kidding. I'm getting back in the that. car. I get back in the car. <laughs> well, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. You should support our podcast. Yes, please. There are all kinds of ways to do that. You can buy merch from our website, deadtimestorieswithaz.com. We're on Patreon. We have different tiers for subscriptions there. But of course, there's also ways you can support us that cost absolutely no money. And sure the best are. way to do that is to give us a five star review on the Apple Podcast app. And we also take Good reviews on all the places that you listen to podcasts. Everywhere. Um, Audible. Uh, there's other places where you can leave reviews. Any of good those reads, places. We also those. just love a good email. Deadtimestories at gmail.com. If you're not following us on Instagram, do it. Tell your friends to follow get us. We're on almost it, at 1,000 followers. Let us get to that 1,000 so follower mark before we get to that four-year mark. Please, just join us. It won't take long. I think I can do it by the end of the week. And that's it, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this has been... Dead Time Stories. Thank you for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 